The Across Her Table podcast is constantly trying to tell stories that inspire. If you like what we are doing, could you please consider subscribing to us? We're a small indie podcast and small gestures of support from you can go a really long way for us. And while you're at it, do you mind giving us a rating on Apple Podcasts? When you recommend us to a friend, it helps us build stronger networks and reach more people. We can impact change simply by spreading the word. So share the joy. This is Mifra Abid from the Greater Toronto Area and you're listening to Across Her Table. This is a podcast where I talk to remarkable Canadian women with immigrant roots and how they're contributing to the social narrative in Canada. Moving to Canada has been an adventure for me, and every day I meet inspiring women who have stories to tell, values to share, and so much to give to their communities. Let's get started. Our guest for today does not need much of an introduction. She has already established her cooking chops with her Instagram handle of Kashmiri Foodie. She also has two successful cookbooks under her belt. She has collaborated with multiple love brands as a content creator and recipe developer. These brands include KitchenAid USA, Chapters Indigo, Wilton, Nando's, Melissa and Doug, and so many more. But that's not all. Tabassum Wine is now also the founder and executive director of the Muslim Advisory Council of Canada. Assalamu alaikum. Walaikum assalam, Mifra. How are you? Welcome to Across the Table. We are so happy to have you here today. My pleasure. Um, I'm really excited to be here and I'm really excited for you um, about your new initiative. Mashallah, this is wonderful. Thank you. Uh, can I just put it out there that we've got Instagram royalty on our show here today? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know about that, but okay. <laughs> you know, Tabasum, today you are Kashmiri foodie with this huge fan following of 14,000 people on Instagram. And you've basically carved a niche for yourself. But let's back up a little, you know, let's go back in time a bit. It's the year 2007. And you are a student at McMaster University studying sociocultural anthropology. In one of the student profile pages, you are quoted as saying, and I'm quoting here, I love having an office job and I love dealing with money. I would like to work in the financial sector after my undergrad. Flash forward to 2020. And here you are, you know, this social influencer, a cookbook writer, an entrepreneur, and a social activist. Does this sound like the job profile you talked about in 2007? Wow. <laughs> 2007, that was a long time ago. Um, so yeah, I, I did want the office job and that was my ultimate dream. And that was really important to me. And Alhamdulillah, at age 21, I graduated from McMaster University with a Bachelor of Arts. And a few months later, I was hired by a pharmaceutical company to work in the accounting department. And yes, I even had my own office at 21, (laughs) alhamdulillah. Um, But yeah, now that I look back at it, um, my life has completely changed. 
Um, and my life 100% does not reflect that quote, but I did experience uh, the office job for six years um, when I left to continue my studies. Um, I don't think I was, I, I was neither passionate about that job or felt, felt a sense of accomplishment. It was just, uh, it was just, I, it was something I had to experience. And Alhamdulillah, I'm really grateful um, for it because I learned a lot, but my life goals have definitely changed now. Now, let me tell the listeners that you have a background in accounting too. How did you go from that to Kashmiri Foodie? Um, well, I left the pharmaceutical industry, um, the accounting department, in 2014 and took some time to study accounting and progress uh, my personal uh, development. Um, but then I got pregnant with my first child. A year after I had my son, um, we were blessed with my daughter. So yeah, my kids are 13 months apart. Oh, wow. So since- Yeah, so since 2014, I've been thrown into motherhood completely, and that really changed my path, alhamdulillah. When I left my job in the pharmaceutical industry, I never planned on having, um, I never planned that kids would change my path. I never really thought about what it would mean to have kids and how that would affect me. But once I had these two beautiful and intelligent children, I decided to stay home and raise them and put my career kind of on the backseat. But that's also when I got a chance to explore my more creative side. And that's when I started Kashmiri Foodie as a business. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Coming back to Kashmiri Foodie, talk us through the origins. Why this name? Um, So my background is Kashmiri. Both my parents are from Kashmir. Um, But then when the 1947 uh, Kashmir partition happened, my dad's side of the family, um, they were forced to leave Kashmir and move to Pakistan. Uh And uh, foodie, I'm a foodie. I'm a huge foodie. I love food. I love making food. I love eating food. So I just combined the two um, to form Kashmiri foodie. (laughs) You just talked about your roots. Your parents were immigrants, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. So how much of your roots are reflected in your work? My, my parents always focused on Islam rather than culture. A lot of people, Pakistani, um, Pakistani culture is very important to them. But for us, it's more like, okay, like, we'll wear Pakistani clothes for Eid or like weddings. Um, and we'll watch like Pakistani dramas. I, I don't really watch many, to be honest. Um, but my my family really focused on Islam. But I don't I don't believe my Pakistani roots have um, really influenced how I've been. It's more about Islam for us. What about your food? How much of your Kashmiri heritage is reflected in your food? Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, my mom's recipes I use a lot. Um, yeah, we, we do we do um, eat Pakistani food, and a lot of my recipes are Pakistani based. But I have a lot of non. Pakistani recipes as well and I I feel like those are probably more of my favorites to be honest. (laughs) Growing up did you ever have to deal with two cultural identities? Was there ever any kind of personal struggle on that front? No definitely not. I was born and raised in Canada and I always thought of myself as Canadian. I've never actually thought of myself as Pakistan. I've been to Pakistan only once in my life and I didn't enjoy it. Oh (laughs) yeah I did not enjoy it at all. Um so yeah, I definitely, I don't, I do not associate myself with Pakistan. Um, I'm, I'm a proud Canadian for sure. <laughs> okay. So coming back to Instagram. Now we all know it's like an ecosystem in itself and it has this tremendous reach. So here's my own selfish question. How does one optimize it to its fullest potential? Uh, Instagram is a great marketing tool, um, but it's not the only component to having a successful business. I believe the relationships one makes with their community is what matters. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So I'll give you my top three tips because that might help you. Uh, num- yeah, number one, I would say show up, especially on your stories, because when people can put a face to your account, like, oh, okay, I know who this is. Um, and it, 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 you see more relatable then. Um, and the next tip I have is teach your audience something. So for myself, I have video tutorials of my cooking and those um, those get probably the most views, to be honest. So whenever I teach my audience something, that's when I find I get the most engagement. Um, and then number three, I'll also say get your followers on your email list because then you have direct access to them and you can send them like monthly updates or whatnot. Does that help you? Yes, yes, okay. for sure. <laughs> I'm taking down notes. <laughs> So, Tabasum, I want to ask you, when you started Kashmiri Foodie, did you always think that it would be this big at some point? Did you always plan it to be this way? Um, no, because I started it as a hobby. And to be honest, I still kind of see it as like a hobby. It's like my fun, creative outlet. But alhamdulillah, sometimes, well, most of the time I get paid <laughs> for doing things. Um, and that's what makes it a business. I think when I had about 4,000 followers, um, I really, I was like, well, how can I make this a business? Because at that time I had decided not to go back to work after my first child. And that's when Safa was born, my second uh, child. Um, and I was like, you know, it'd be nice to have a little bit of income. So then, um, I actually had some companies reach out to me and there are some well-known brands and they wanted to work with me. So we actually started working together and then it just kind of progressed from there. Alhamdulillah. Um, but I would say you, you have to do uh it's it's not easy it's definitely not an easy path and it's this is not the path I'm going to continue on I do what I do love about Kashmiri foodie is cooking and sharing recipes but at my own pace um it does get to be honest it does get stressful at times when I post a picture mm-hmm. of food and immediately my followers ask me for the recipe and I it's it's Alhamdulillah. it's an honor to be honest like it's a very it's very flattering but it's also really stressful because <laughs> people don't understand that like I have a life outside of Kashmir and I'm, my whole purpose in life is not to provide everyone with recipes although I would love to but it does it takes up a huge chunk of my time as well right (laughs) (laughs) so Tabasum you recently hosted a pan Canada Ramadan cupcake contest and it was a completely online event yeah so the Ramadan cupcake showdown was a concept of the Muslim Advisory Council of Canada and it was the first ever Muslim oriented food competition to take place online in the world of this caliber did you always intend it to be a virtual affair or did COVID-19 play a role in that decision? No, no, I never meant for it to be virtual, um, but it was good to gain that experience and have hard data now um, to see the interest, the interest that uh, the, the interest that the community um, took in it. We had about 50 participants. And one of my goals with the Muslim Advisory Council of Canada, because I believe um, that we need diverse programming and I'm inshallah going to do it. (laughs) Wow. That is inshallah. Pray for me. (laughs) Inshallah. Now, this contest, although it was to mark the beginning of Ramadan, you kept it open for people of all faiths. How was the response to that? 
Uh, it was wonderful. So with the Muslim Advisory Council of Canada, um, can I explain that to you right now? Yes, please. Yes, please. Okay. So the Muslim Advisory Council of Canada is a federally incorporated not-for-profit which builds bridges between Muslim and non-Muslim peoples, businesses, and communities. We provide tools and resources and develop diverse programming. So with the Ramadan Cupcake Showdown, we did have non-Muslims participate, and it was wonderful. It was wonderful to have the community get together and enjoy themselves and welcome Ramadan as a community. Um, And I I love having non-Muslims participate on fun things like this, because sometimes Muslims, um, they can seem a little... I don't want to say strict, but I want everyone to know that Muslims have fun too. <laughs> exactly. And this was, this uh, really um, portrayed that, right? So for example, our mommy and me winner for the first prize was a non-Muslim. Like it was amazing, mashallah. Mm-hmm. But considering that it was an online event, were people open to this new format or did you sense any sort of hesitation? Oh, everyone was very open to it. I think we had been a month and a half into uh, staying at home. So everyone really wanted to get together. (laughs) Um, Like I had so many people message me after. They're like, this is the most fun we've had since we've been at home. Thank you so much for doing this. And that honestly meant so much to me. Um, because I, I feel like we, we may have spread happiness and joy and given people a little bit of a mental, a mental break from just like the everyday staying at home. It gets, it gets really boring, to be honest. Oh, tell me about it. The best one, let's talk about the federal election of 2019. You were very involved in engaging the Muslim community of Milton, you know, in the political conversation. And the next thing we know, you have founded the Muslim Advisory Council of Canada. How did this transition happen? So after the election, um, like I poured my heart and soul into uh, ensuring that our voices were heard. And um, yeah, after the election, I was like, now what? Like I didn't, I don't think I really ever wanted to get into politics really i i'm more passionate about muslims and about having muslims have their voices heard and their needs met so i took a few months off because honestly elections are 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 draining they're really draining no one ever talks about this Uh but i i think i was uh, burnt out after the election so i took a few months off from kashmiri foodie from everything and i just took uh some time to recharge and whatnot and Mm -hmm. in that time i was like well what do i want to do i didn't feel i could go back to just food blogging um because it didn't give me it didn't give me a chance to like be active or talk about what I really want to talk about. And that's like Muslims and like what our needs are and activism and all that. So I was like, I want to separate my Kashmiri foodie um, business from what I really want to do. And that's where the Muslim Advisory Council of Canada was born. My next question is actually about your collaboration with Sakina Homes. Uh, For those of our listeners who are not aware, Sakina Homes is actually an incredible network of safe and secure shelters for abused women and children. So talk us about your involvement. Yeah, so I'm actually the Halton ambassador for Sakina Homes. And uh, I believe it was February 22nd. uh, There was an event about human trafficking and it was an awareness event for the community. Um, And honestly, the the, uh, info that was shared was shocking. Um, I can't remember it off the top of my head, but um, 
a lot of young young children are being uh, trafficked locally, even in Halton, and it's a huge problem. And it's it's a problem in the Muslim community too. It's not, where Muslims are not uh, uh, immune to this. Um, and, and I believe it's it, all the parents who came to that session. I think everyone left very heavy hearted that this this kind of problem exists in our community. So where do you go from here? What's next on the cards for the Muslim Advisory Council of Canada? Well, I mean, we had plans before the pandemic and now everything's kind of on hold. But you know what? (laughs) I think it's a blessing because now I can take this time and really focus on the bigger picture and what we actually want to achieve. So for now, I'm interviewing people um, for our board of directors, to be honest, and I'm getting vol- and I'm getting volunteers on board for different committees that we're going to form. So we're there's a lot of behind the scenes going on right now. Oh wow! Um, and when there's a lot of behind the scenes going on, that means that social media for my because right now. Um, social media I'm taking care of it but I know I have to outsource that pretty soon because I can't be doing all this behind the scenes and social media if you've noticed I don't know since Ramadan began I haven't been posting as much yeah we have noticed actually and we're wondering what's up with that yeah exactly it's it's a lot when you're when you start a new business um, and there's so much going on behind the scenes it's it's really hard to maintain that social media but at the same time I'm not too worried because social media isn't the isn't uh, the, the business to be honest that's just extra that's just marketing right um, so inshallah in time in time it'll all fall into place so we are almost towards the end of the interview but we can't possibly conclude without talking about your cookbooks. Oh, yes. <laughs> so you have authored two delectable books, One Perfect Ramadan and One Perfect Eid al-Fitr. And they both are available on your website as well as on Amazon. Yeah. So tell us everything about them. Yeah. So in 2019, 2019 was the year I did like everything. Um, so 2019 is when I made the cookbooks. I believe I made One Perfect Ramadan in about a week's time. In a week's time. In a week's time. Yeah. Like I completely, <laughs> I, I, I cut myself off from social media for a week. I really got down to business. And honestly, when you, when you really put your mind to something, especially for me, like I can get so much done. Alhamdulillah, I put that together in a week's time. Um, and Alhamdulillah, the response to that was amazing. I, we both, I believe I sold uh, very many copies and still like I woke up the other day and like I had sold a few and I was like wow alhamdulillah so it's it's something that keeps keeps going um the thing with my cookbooks is that um, a part of the proceeds goes to uh, Islamic relief um so that's one thing I want everyone to know that when you purchase um when you purchase uh, my cookbooks a part of the proceeds goes to feeding the hungry around the world I did not know that that's amazing actually so what about the photos? Did you take them all by yourself? Yes, yes, I did. Alhamdulillah. Do you have like a background in photography? No, no. Um, I have a DSLR camera and uh, the photographer that um, has done all of my Kashmiri foodie photos, like uh, like um, my profile photos and all that, or even my branding photos, uh, she actually sat down with me one day and she taught me some settings on the camera. Um, so from that, like I learned a lot and she's become like one of my really good friends now, alhamdulillah, and she's, she's very kind for taking the time to teach me. Um, but yeah, no, I, 
I did all the photography myself. I still do all the photography. I don't pull out my DSLR all the time. I only do it when I do cookbooks. <laughs> otherwise, I just, yeah, otherwise I just use my iPhone. Uh, the iPhone camera is really good too, so. But have you considered uh, releasing a print edition for your books? Um, yeah, but I wanted to, I have considered that, to be honest. When I, when I wrote the second cookbook, I was planning to write many other um, many other small cookbooks as well and post them as ebooks, but then I kind of stopped because I was like, you know what, I want to build up and maybe inshallah one day um, do a print edition. So I have been here and there. Um, I've been compiling uh, recipes and I've been taking photos. So maybe one day inshallah we'll see a Kashmiri foodie cookbook come to print. <laughs> okay, inshallah. Inshallah. So there was some one last question. Tell us five dishes mm-hmm. that you can cook in your sleep. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. So definitely kofte. Go- okay. I love kofte. Um, probably Kentucky Fried Chicken. Wow. Uh, baked baked chicken patties. Like, they're kind of like samosas, but I use, um, what's it called? Oh, God. Puff pastry. Um, let's see. Lentil soup. Uh-huh. And oh, boiled eggs. <laughs> <laughs> Out. <laughs> it counts it totally counts <laughs> okay, good. because i can almost never get them right <laughs> mine are always either too runny or too quiet yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> so it totally counts so funny thank you so much Tabasum. this has been such an amazing conversation thank you for having me Mifra. this is fine it's it's nice having an actual conversation if you like this episode, please subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts from. We would also love to hear from you. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, or just email us at feedback at acrossatable.com.